Welcome to Practically Political. I'm Dave Spencer. And I'm Carrie Sheffield. Let's get right to it. All right, Dave. So let's talk about inflation, our favorite topic. So we had record-breaking 7.9% inflation last month compared to a year prior. This is according to new data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And of course, just in time, Congress comes in and wants to make inflation even worse. They just passed a $1.5 trillion spending bill. It increases funding for a lot of pet projects, things like the Green New Deal. Um, Why don't Progressives seem to care about the negative effects of government spending on inflation. Senator Mike Lee had a great report with the Senate uh, Joint Finance Committee or the the Joint Congressional uh, Finance Committee looking at lots of studies about how government spending causes inflation. Well, I think, first of all, you can argue that the fact that Build Back Better wasn't passed took off some inflationary pressures. As, As I've said before, Carrie, I wish Build Back Better had been passed instead of the American Rescue Plan, because the American Rescue Plan contained a lot of handouts, whereas Build Back Better does contain a lot more investments. And I think it would be more beneficial to the country long term. But having said that, I think people realize that inflation is something that has come up. There's a lot of things that are out of control. When you look at uh, fuel prices, when you look at stuff that's going on in Ukraine, when you look at a lot of international and domestic pressures. So I think that There's very little that a president can do about inflation. Presidents get blamed a lot for it, but it's like the economy. Short term, there's very little they can do. I think what they're trying to do now is good. They've been late in terms of ramping up production, but I think it's better late than never. And you're finally starting to see some domestic oil production. And I should just say, for all the Green New Dealers out here, I am the biggest supporter of, of alternative energy out there. But using natural gas and using our energy is far cleaner than the petro states. They have the dirtiest, most environmentally destructive energy production in the world. So I think the bottom line is there's not so so much they can do in the short term other than make sure that the energy production is going up. Your thoughts? Well, I think that there are a lot of things the presidents can do to affect inflation uh, for good or for bad. You know, Richard Nixon tried to do it through price controls, and that was a huge disaster. It made things even worse. Terrible idea. Um, so, so yeah, there, there is a huge impact. Uh, but the, the report that Senator Mike Lee put out was really interesting because he looked at all the many ways that might be counterintuitive that inflation can be increased, in, including through things like the fact that increased government spending requires more taxation and more taxation puts more constraints on the economy, which which drives prices up even more. Uh, And then there's also the crowd out effect of government services crowding out the private sector, which makes things more inefficient. Um, And then there's just the fact that you're increasing the monetary supply. And that's something that, uh, you know, folks uh, from the Chicago School of Economics would always say that inflation, Milton Friedman would always say that inflation is a monetary problem. And so you have the Federal Reserve encouraged by this White House uh, and the Treasury uh, to just keep treating the U.S. dollar basically like monopoly money. So I think there's a lot that can be done to stop increasing the spending um, and, you know, not to mention our debt. I mean, that, that's a whole other conversation, though. Well, and I also think the stuff that you're talking about either hasn't happened yet or isn't in the plans. You know, taxes haven't been raised yet. Now, you can argue that the Democrats, because they have more wealthy people in their constituents now, have backed off of a lot of tax increases. 
that I think could actually increase revenue without affecting behavior that much. And a lot of this spending is either hypothetical or it hasn't come into the pipeline yet in terms of the new budget and some of the increases. But again, I will say that I think that uh, I've said, and we can obviously we'll figure this out because time will tell, uh, the history will will uh, will bear us out, but I think by the election of 22, inflation will be down to three or four percent. But of course, that's my my mouth to God's ear. Okay, my question for you is: Ron Johnson, who I have to say is probably the lowest of the low, the senator from Wisconsin, in terms of the big lie conspiratorial stuff. His latest thing is we need to. Uh, get rid of Obamacare. And of course, I that makes me chuckle because it kind of reminds me of, remember, every week was going to be infrastructure week in the Trump administration. And every week we were going to get his health care plan, which for some reason we never got. So again, I, I think Obamacare has its challenges, but it's certainly better than nothing. So is there a Republican health care plan? And if there is one or if there isn't one, what should it be? Well, it's interesting to see how Mitch McConnell responded to this proposal uh, to see Senator Johnson kind of going rogue. Uh, and, and Mitch McConnell didn't like that because he felt like it was kind of distracting from the key messages that they want to really stick to. I think for 2022, things like inflation, uh, you know, COVID restrictions, opening schools back up, uh, the failure in Afghanistan, the failure in energy policy. Um, and so I think in some ways that uh, Mitch McConnell would agree with you, Dave, um, that uh, and yeah, the, the fact that when Republicans held all three, you know, brand, or, you know, both houses and the White House, they didn't get their their Obamacare replacement through. And that vote was very crucial. It was Senator John McCain who actually did his down vote. Um, I was very disappointed by it. But I thought it was interesting because he was calling for regular order. And we've seen now that the shoe's on the other foot. Democrats don't care about regular order. So uh, may he rest in peace. But I disagreed with that vote from Senator McCain because there was a replacement that Republicans did have. Uh, and there's a book that I'd recommend to all our viewers and listeners uh, by an editor over a National Review. He wrote it when he was at the Examiner. Uh, his name's Phil Klein. And it's it's basically a look at, it's a book exclusively on Republican and conservatives and their replacements for Obamacare. And he looks at the plans. So, that, so there's literally a book on this specific issue and he looks at the whole range. So there's the, the, the pure libertarian plan, which is just pure free market forces for healthcare, and then all the way to something that is, you know, Obamacare light. Um, and to have, you know, I, I think that we do need to have some form of safety net for people who are mentally ill, home, you know, homeless people, people who are truly unable to work. We need a safety net in healthcare uh, and other services for them. Um, but there's a lot I think that we can do to really focus more specifically on the high risk pools, uh, and then keep as many people we can in the free market for healthcare. And that's that's what I would like to see um, and that we don't have with Obamacare. And, and the fact that Obama's big lie for him was that if you like your doctor, you can keep it. That came back to haunt him severely. I, I'm actually someone who was a victim. When I left uh, my you know employer W-2 plan to be a contractor, I did lose my healthcare provider under when I switched to an exchange plan. So uh, he lied to me. Um, so I think that Healthcare isn't really a hot button topic right now, but I think there are a lot of policy proposals out there from the right. Um, what do you think, Dave? Well, I would say a couple of things. First of all, if there was a Republican health care plan, uh, I never heard about it. And I tend to follow this pretty closely. And I remember when Leslie Stahl interviewed Donald Trump and, of course, Kaylee McEnany 
his uh, press secretary infinitely said, here's the president's health care plan. And it was nothing. It was just a bunch of summaries. It wasn't actually a plan. So I, again, if there was one, I didn't see it. But I, let me take a step back and say, I'm the biggest free market person around. But the free market does not apply to health care. You know, when I hear people talk about free market, patient-based health care, that's great. Maybe it exists on some other planet, but it doesn't exist on this planet. The only health care plans I've seen that actually come close to keeping costs to the rate of inflation, which to put it mildly, we have not done, the 80% of the population that is healthy subsidizes the 20% of the population that is sick. I, if there's another system that works, I'd love to hear about it. I don't think it exists because you have to have healthy people buying into the system. So when they're sick, other healthy people will buy into the system. Otherwise you have what's called, what economists call adverse selection, where only sick people buy in and the whole system collapses. So again, I think that the Medicare system that we have, which is publicly financed, but privately delivered because, and I know conservatives don't like to hear this, but healthcare is one of the very, very, and I can't say very enough times, very few areas where the government does a better job than the private sector at controlling cost. And the main reason our system is so expensive is because it's so privatized. And people say, Medicare has gone up 400% over a certain amount of time. Well, that's true. But in the insurance-based system, went up 700% during that exact same time. So Medicare is out of whack because congressmen are making it pay $1,200 for $75 back screws that are made in their district. But I think overall, it's, it's the best plan. And, and I think what Obamacare should have done, and it was, by the way, I'm always full disclosure, it was Democrat Joe Lieberman from Connecticut. Gee, were there insurance companies in Connecticut? I can't remember who struck down the so-called public option, which would allow Medicare to compete with insurance companies. And I think that would have kept them honest. And I do think you also have to have like an independent, independent payment advisory board and the government can pay for certain things and it can't pay for certain things. If there's a half a million dollar colon cancer drug that adds six months to your life, I'm sorry, if you're wealthy, you can afford it. And if you're not, you can't. That's true with a lot of things in our society. So that would be my, my solution. All right, well, let's, uh, we'll have to do healthcare another week also. Uh, but in the meantime, let's talk about another, for me, I just, I wanna go back to this spending bill because, you know, it's, again, for me, it's treating the US dollar like monopoly money. So we got this $1.5 trillion spending bill. Uh, it increases non Bipartisan, spending. by the way. Yeah, well, you know, everyone wants the credit when they're treating the US dollar like monopoly money. So uh, it's universal sin. But uh, the uh, one thing that really, bothered a lot of conservatives is that this bill included $13 billion to help uh, the Ukrainian people. And, you know, I, I, I do support that. I think it's a strategic investment because we have to keep Russia out of our backyard with NATO. But I think that the, the hypocrisy of in the same breath and in the same bill that the Custom and Border Protection, the CBP, saw a cut in their overall spending of nearly half a billion dollars. So you have you know, American tax dollars going over to defend Ukraine's border. Meanwhile, our own border protection is being cut by half a billion dollars. Um, so what, what is there any accountability for this, Dave? I mean, what how how can anyone spin that? I, I don't think you can spin it, to be honest. And look, the border is is a real problem. You know, as I've said, one of Barack Obama's most unheralded successes was that when he left office, border crossings were at a 50-year low. 
because he was known as the deporter in chief. And but as a Democrat, he could do that and not get the pushback to the Republicans. So this was a this was a crisis that Donald Trump cre- Donald Trump created, and Joe Biden definitely exacerbated. There's no question that he he made it worse. Now he's tried to backtrack. And do, you know, pull out some of the few bright spots in the Trump policy, like stay the stay in Mexico policy, for example. But I see no reason to cut border security. And I don't know what it is. I think a lot of it is, frankly, Democrats don't want to have always border border security because they feel that uh, when if more people can come in the country, that that's going to be more voters. And again, immigration. I know this sounds simplistic. But the reason we're the only industrialized country that doesn't have an immigration policy is because Republicans want the votes. Sorry, Democrats want the votes. Republicans want the cheap labor. That's a little simplistic, but that's historically been true. Now, it's a little more complicated in reality, because as we're finding out, a lot of these immigrants tend to be more pragmatic voters. And when certain parties go too far to the left, they're going to stick to the center. And that's why. I've put up a huge red flag for Democrats many times. Look at what's happening to the black vote. Look what's happening to the Latino vote. They voted for a higher percentage for Trump. And this is someone, to put it mildly, you know, who called them rapists and drug dealers. So they weren't going towards Trump. They were being repelled by the Democrats. So I see no uh, I see no reason for it at all. I think it's it's I think it's bad policy. So anyway, well, let's get to my second question, which is. Rick Scott, another one of my favorites, talk about an individual of exceedingly low quality. Here's a guy when he ran uh, Columbia HCA, paid a $1.7 billion Medicare fine, the greatest in history. And then when he was running against uh, Bill Nelson in in, uh, 2018, he won by 15,000 votes, which was safe by any recount. But he then put up the question, he questioned the integrity of the election system. And his latest thing was, of course, you know, everybody should pay taxes, which gets back to this Mitt Romney, 47% thing. And um, I think it's it really goes after people that don't deserve it. And I also think it's a loaded stat because of those 47%, yes, they don't pay income tax, but they pay payroll taxes. So what's your, what's your theory on that? What should, what do you think should be done with our tax system to make it more progressive, but also make sure that everybody pays their fair share, both at the bottom and the top. Well, it's easy to be calling for fair share when it's other people's money, as Margaret Thatcher would like to say. Um, I think what Rick Scott is doing in this case is that he wants to uh, put out a trial balloon because he wants to challenge Mitch McConnell to leadership, and he thinks that he can get uh, Donald Trump to back him. So that's why he's trying to release his own kind of policy framework, and that's what he's doing politically here. Um, which I think is, uh, you know, an, from a tax standpoint, I think that, you know, the concept of, of having skin in the game is is useful. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think that uh, there's also a messaging issue because you're right, the vast majority of lower income people don't pay income tax. And so I think that uh, conservatives and Republicans should be way more, uh, you know, willing to share that information because, uh the vast majority of people don't pay income tax, and yet they want to tax uh, the wealthy even more when most people aren't paying taxes. You know, and and I I actually see it in the in the, the reverse that um, why aren't we just letting people know this information that the uh, the wealthy are already very much more uh, disproportionately shouldering the burden as it is, uh, but at some point you're going to kill the golden uh, goose that lays the golden egg. 
Um, so I don't know. I, I think that uh, it's it's really easy to demonize the rich, uh, which is just a you know amorphous entity. Um, I think that the uh, you know, closing corporate loopholes. I think that's something that is bipartisan. And I think that, you know, having the, the tax structure in that way would, would be beneficial. Um, I think that, you know, for me, I, I want to keep the 2017 tax reform in place. I know that that is something that Democrats have been really chomping at the bit and trying to, to get rid of. So I, I would not support that at all. Um, I think that it's good uh, to keep the deductions on the SALT, the state and local tax uh, property deductions, because that that's a giveaway to wealthy people uh, to subsidize bad governance at the state level. Um, so I think that a lot of what conservatives have to do right now is actually play defense against encroachment when it comes to tax policy. God, well, there's a lot to unpack there. But first of all, again, again, it is a it's it's a specious statistic, pleasantly but plausibly false to say these people don't pay taxes. They don't pay income taxes, but they pay payroll taxes. And you know me, I love my stats, Gary. So here, here are the numbers. There are only 15 to 17 percent of people in this country who do not pay any form of taxes. Okay, nine percent of those are seniors. You have another few percentage in the military. And then you have a, another couple of percentage who are on disability. So you only have maybe two to four percent of the people in this country that are not paying any kind of taxes. And that doesn't even include consumption taxes, sales yeah, yeah. taxes, sales tax, a lot of pro times property well, tax. Well, too. Right. Well, that doesn't fall on the poor because most poor people don't own property, but the sales taxes. Right. So so that's so so that's point number one. Point number two is, you know, you and I have disagreed. I think that 2017 tax reform bill was the worst piece of leg legislation I've ever seen, which is saying a hell of a lot. And the reason I say that is, well, I mean, my, my reaction is, you know, for how much time do we have? But I'll try to give the synopsis. First of all, you don't cut taxes when the economy is booming. You cut taxes when the economy is in recession or needs it. That's why we were the only industrialized nation that was actually cutting taxes. Other ones were raising taxes. You raise taxes when the economy is good and people can afford it more. You cut taxes when the economy is bad. My philosophy has always been, when you cut taxes, you want to do it in a way that affects behavior the most. And when you raise taxes, you want to do it in a way that affects behavior the least. So again, I am the last person to disparage wealth, right? I think it's what made this country great and I've been the beneficiary of it. But that tax cut in 2017, 81% of it went to the top 1%. And again, if you give people with a lot of money more, they spend some of it. If you give people with little or no money more, they spend all of it. So I'm just a cost benefit guy. So, and the other two points I would make is it was nakedly political. It went after blue states, the salt deduction in a place like New York Yes, you can say it allows wealthy people to deduct, but New York, for every tax dollar New York sends to Washington, it gets 63 cents back. For every tax dollar that places like Kentucky send, they get over $1.50 back. So again, yeah, a lot Wall of Street Journal did a great uh, takedown of that. I'll send it but, to you. But hold on. The, the last point I would make, and then he got rid of the individual mandate, which has nothing to do with taxes. And again, as I said, you can't have a functioning healthcare system without healthy people paying in. But again, it doesn't have anything to do with taxes. So ah, actually, actually, the bill. Supreme Court it disagrees didn't, with you. Didn't Supreme have much Court to disagrees with you. But anyway, you're, 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 I, I'll, I'll let you respond. Sorry, I was just going to say the Supreme Court disagrees with yeah. you because they said that Obamacare is a tax. So in that respect, it is relevant. But we've already gone over, Dave. But I think we should do another one on healthcare and on taxes. 
Absolutely. Well, it's always it's always a good uh, a good conversation, and I think that it's going to be very interesting to see. I agree with you that uh, the spending did not need to go so up so much. And as far as military goes, I have no problem spending more on the military, but we're spending it on we need to spend it on the next generation of conventional weapons, and we need to, and we need to spend it on training, and we need to spend it on personnel, and we're we're not doing that. So, but in any case, well that is another episode of Practically Political. It's always so great to see you and we'll see you next time.